Welcome, Patrick Lee, former co-founder of Rotten Tomatoes, a serial entrepreneur, and uh, someone with great advice and insights about Silicon Valley, about startups. So I have a lot of questions for you today. Thank you so much. I am Joanne Tan. I'm CEO, branding expert, 10 plus brand, digital marketing, content creation leader in the uh, digital marketing industry. So the first question for you, in light of Elizabeth Holmes, the Theranos trial, uh, what do you think about the Silicon Valley culture? Because it's pretty prevalent what she did. Fake it till you make it with unrealistic financial projections. What do you think of this whole saga? Um, I, I think it's, you know, it's, it is true that entrepreneurs generally are going to be pretty aggressive. Um, they're going to paint a great picture. Uh, for me, when I look at, um, you know, pitches as an investor, I don't really worry so much about the projections in the future. I look at performance in the past um, a lot more uh, because pretty much everyone is going to try to have a slide that shows like a, a hockey stick, like, <laughs> and, you know, and that something that is like big enough that will be interesting to investors, but not necessarily so big that they'll think it's, it's, you know, unbelievable. And everyone has that slide. And I basically ignore it because it looks the same for every single deck. As and far as Elizabeth Holmes, I mean, they were, they were straight up lying. So I, I think that's a bit different. And I believe that there could have been a version um, where they were like, this is our vision of what we want to do in the future, but this is where we are now. And, you know, every year we're going to try to make things, you know, a, a bit smaller, like the machines a bit smaller, uh, do the tests a bit faster, use a little bit less blood, you know, something like that. And uh, put in goals and milestones that are, uh, would have been achievable you know, with technology and other things um, over time. But where they said they were relative to where they actually were, I mean, that was just a straight lie. And I think had they shown the big vision, but had a more like a realistic, like steps to get, get there over time, I think they still would have raised a lot of money and they would have been, you know, telling the truth rather than uh, what they actually did. Yeah. Uh... You know, you can dream whatever your future vision, but if she was not realistic, not honest with her past and the present with the numbers, then that's a different issue. Uh, fake it to make it. What do you think of that? Um, when, I, when I think about that, I think it's less about faking um, and more about trying to find something that people want as quickly as possible. So at least to me, I think about things like um, maybe the technology isn't there yet, but uh, you know, you know, for example, like, hey, we, we, we're gonna have this uh, website to sell cars. I think they did this in like the 90s. And 
they didn't have the cards. They didn't build the whole inventory system. They didn't hold inventory, any of that stuff. They just put up a website to sell cars to see if people would actually buy a car online without actually having to go and drive it and all that kind of stuff. And then when people actually bought the car, they just actually bought the car and have it shipped over and, and took a loss. But in that situation, I mean, you could say like the, the system itself was fake, but people could still buy cars from there. But what was more important was they could see, you know, did someone actually, was someone actually willing to buy a car online in the, you know, 90s um, without actually having to test drive it? And I think that to me makes a lot of sense. Um, and, you know, plenty of folks are doing that uh, where it's not like the technology is not fully built out, but it's more about experimenting and testing demand. Um, mm -hmm. I'm not one for, you know, faking numbers, all that kind of stuff. Uh, and like I said, I, I don't believe in a lot of projections. And so I tend to look much more at what they've done, um, either themselves, what they've accomplished in their previous companies or, or jobs or education and where they are with the company, how much progress have they made, um, even with little to no funding, that kind of stuff. Uh, mm -hmm. And last yeah. thing, yeah, about her trial, her her attorney said it in the beginning and the closing that she basically sank with the ship. She did not sell any of her stocks. Uh, well, that doesn't seem to be matter to the jury. They indicted her on the accounts of defrauding investors. If there's sufficient evidence showing that she had the intention to defraud investors whether she went down the ship without selling her shares is not relevant what do you think of that um i would say i mean i haven't followed the, the case super closely or anything but uh, i think had she been trying to sell her shares it would have probably been more obvious what she was doing um so i think Basically, what may have started as a very small lie just kept compounding and compounding and compounding till it was a, a huge lie. And at that point, I mean, I would imagine that she can't do anything to kind of get out. She has to just kind of keep trying to keep pushing it um, to the point where it got very, very bad. Um, so yeah, I don't, I don't think it ma that matters. Right. It's other people's money and a lot of them. Uh, Yes. So at the end of the day, she had to be held accountable for that. Mm -hmm. um, okay. So the Silicon Valley culture, if you can summarize what so Silicon Valley culture is, how would you summarize it? I actually take a more positive view. I think in most cases, you know, people are just trying to make the world a better place. And um, in Silicon Valley, a lot of these folks you know, come in with a dream and they actually can change things in a massive, massive way. And a lot of times very, very quickly, uh, they can create, you know, products that can touch literally billions of users, touch the entire world and change the entire world in years, maybe a decade or two. Rotten Tomatoes, when you sold it, it was right after the stock market crash. It was a t bad time to really uh, make any profits for a lot of startups. So for you to be able to pull it through and eventually sold it, it was quite an accomplishment. But right now, looking at how successful 
rotten tomato has become. If you had a choice, would you rather wait until it becomes the beast it has become? Uh, so do you regret selling it sort of uh, at a low price back then? Um, I mean, it's really hard to, to time the market and to know exactly when to sell. I think I didn't do a good job as far as having enough of a network of folks who could be there to help uh, give advice about these issues, about when to sell, how to sell, et cetera. Mm -hmm. I think had I had a better network like I do now, um, I would have probably been able to approach that better. In terms of timing and stuff, yeah, you know, had we waited even another year or two, it probably would have made uh, a major difference. But we are all just very happy that the company is still around, is still doing well, is still growing. And we are also, I would say, overall, um, being able to have that freedom to have traveled around the world uh, to do other startups, to do other things, you know, has been good. You know, had we kept running the company all the way until now, you know, that, that would have been a very, very long time. Um, and I don't, I don't think that would be the worst thing, but I also, you know, really did enjoy kind of the freedom to travel, to do other things as well. So what are you doing right now? Yeah, so right now, um, I actually started an investment syndicate that kind of formed out of the tech founder group that I was running. And basically, I have partnered with three friends from the group. Uh, so there's myself, there's uh, Holly Liu. She was the co-founder of Kabam, the mobile gaming startup. Uh, there's Kun Gao. He was the uh, co-founder and founding CEO of Crunchyroll, the anime streaming service. And uh, Kevin Lin, he was the co-founder of Twitch. And basically, the four of us have created an investment syndicate to invest at the intersection of technology and entertainment. And uh, we started back in March of last year. And since then we've invested into 28 companies. We've raised over 25 million for those companies across uh, 350 investors. And these are just very value add and strategic investors. And so at the intersection of technology and entertainment, we provide like a ton of value to founders. And that's basically what we've been doing. We've been um, just super busy uh, reviewing you know, new deals every day and really trying to find um, really interesting and special companies uh, at that intersection. Mm -hmm. Can you be a little bit more specific exactly what kind of technology and how they intersect with entertainment and what is the future of the movie industry or whatever the entertainment industry you met? Yeah, so for us, I mean, we're thinking of companies, you know, like, Rotten Tomatoes and Kabam and uh, Crunchyroll and Twitch, you know, things streaming video, uh, sometimes content and media, uh, gaming and esports, um, Web3, you know, crypto, NFTs, blockchain gaming, uh, creator economy, uh, metaverse, VR, AR. You know, there's a lot of these uh, areas that we think are, are very interesting. And we have a, I would say, a fairly wide um, definition of entertainment, like obviously movies music, games, sports is clearly entertainment. But I think for us, you know, things like education, fashion, um, a couple other categories of food uh, are like kind of a borderline 
um, on the entertainment side for us. And so we would actually still look in those spaces as well. Okay, so I would like you to explain to the general public about NFT, Web3, Metaverse, because these things are sort of a, uh, a novel concept for most Americans, and most Americans still don't even know what NFT is, okay? And I had a conversation with you prior to this. I was fascinated about what you said of the ownership uh, like almost like creating your own economy with NFT uh, in the future of arts entertainment. Um, so I had a question after our conversation. What is the difference between so-called crowdfunding and NFT ownership, which is a kind of funding or fundraising? It's selling the ownership of some sort of a, um, it, it could be the ownership of anything. Is that right? Um, that's, a, that's a lot of questions. I'll try to unpack it. Um, I mean, I wouldn't say I'm like an expert on Web3, crypto, NFTs, all that kind of stuff. Like, to be honest, I was actually quite against um, or negative on, on the blockchain. I, I, didn't, I hadn't seen a very good use case at the time. And I was feeling like pretty much everyone who's in it is just there to you know, get rich quick. Uh, for me personally, uh, my views changed back when I read an article about Axie Infinity, which is a blockchain game um, written uh, in, the, in the newsletter, Not Boring. And in that article, they basically were saying that with Axie Infinity, the players were actually able to make money from playing the game. And you had you know, players in the Philippines, in Latin America, in Vietnam, who are making multiple times their living wage uh, playing that game than, versus what they were doing before. And so you had like grandmas, grandparents in the Philippines playing it. And I thought that was extremely interesting because it changed a lot of the economics of gaming that we're used to. You know, when you look at web mobile gaming, free to play, or a lot of times they call it like pay to win, where the more you pay, uh, the stronger you'll be and you'll be able to, you know, be higher up on a leaderboard or something like that. When you pay all that money, you know, 100% of it goes to the mobile gaming company. You don't own any of that. And the mobile gaming company is going to go and take, you know, 50% or more of that to spend on marketing to try to get more players. And they're going to try and extract as much value out of uh, their players as possible. And usually what they look for is the really hardcore players who are going to spend a lot of money. They call them whales. Mm. With blockchain gaming, uh, you know, when you look at something like Axie Infinity, it totally changes it and flips everything around. Basically, almost all the value goes back to the players. They might extract a 10% on the transaction fees but basically the other 90% is going back to players. And what's happening is, yeah, you're still gonna have hardcore players who's gonna spend a lot of money in it. But one, I mean, these whales are actually investing. They're actually, when they spend money in the game, they're actually you know, buying NFTs and other things or tokens and which are increasing in value. But when all that money also that they're spending and buying these things is also being generated a, a lot of times and earned uh, by these, 
players in all these other countries who are grinding the game to you know, get these NFTs, get these tokens that they can sell and they can make money. So this 90% of that money that's coming from the whales is basically going back to these other players. And I think that is something that's super interesting that you know, I've never seen before up to this point. And, and that's something that I think is applicable across you know, a lot of areas within Web3 um, or within NFTs. And NFTs, I mean, people should look it up, but it basically means like non-fungible token uh, versus a fungible token. And it means it's basically something that's unique, uh, the NFT. And, and so like, even if you both hold an NFT in the same collection, they're basically different, they're unique. Even if they like look the same, they're still different. Like I would have my copy and you would have your copy of it. And, and one thing that can happen uh, that gets people, I think, excited is, is this idea of ownership. You know, um, one example I, I had given you earlier is if you look at like the creator economy, right? The creators on YouTube and Twitch and other places, you know, the first way that they've always monetized, you know, the 1.0 way of monetizing was through brands and sponsorships. They would, you know, make money from the ads that ran on their YouTube videos or other places. They would have sponsored posts uh, or they would have uh, sponsors pay them to do product placement um, inside of the video, right? Version two, the money was coming from users. So version two looked like things like Patreon, uh, Twitch uh, donations, um, Cameo, uh, Substack. OnlyFans, um, Substack, yeah. right? So it was coming from the users who are paying generally like subscriptions or donations or tipping or other things like that. What Web3 and NFTs potentially can do is, you know, version three of creator uh, monetization, which, you know, let's take Patreon, for example, instead of every month you're paying, uh, you're paying some money to the creator because you want to support them and in exchange you get content. It could be every month you're buying an NFT. As a supporter, as a- Yeah, for that month. And by holding the NFT, you get access to the content for that month. But what that also could be is the creator could then do things that give value to folks who are holding NFTs. Um, They could say, hey, anyone who's holding three or more NFTs can get additional access or content. Maybe can hop on a Zoom call with the creator. You know, it could be, hey, everyone who is holding an NFT from the past year, all 12, you know, months, maybe they'll do a meet and greet one time, like a live meet and greet, for example. And so there can be certain things that can make these NFTs potentially more valuable. And so when people are buying these NFTs every month to support their creator, it could be the same amount of money that they're putting into like a Patreon. They still get access to the content, but potentially those tokens could actually increase in value, you know, and they might be able to resell it to other folks uh, down the road. Um, Maybe they can even buy more than one each month, you know, so that they could sell the extras or something like that. And so it, it changes things in an interesting way where now they're actually like, in a way, investing in the creator. If they were supporting a creator really early on, and then the creator blew up, 
well, you know what? Those really early NFTs are probably going to be worth a whole lot more because there weren't as many supporters supporting this creator. Maybe in the beginning, this creator is selling like 100 a month. And maybe when they really blew up, they're selling like 10,000 a month. Well, if you're one of those people holding one of those early ones and there's only like 100 of them out there, you know, it's probably going to be worth more. And so that's something that's really changes things for, for the users for, uh, who are supporting these creators or playing these games or things like that, that I think is very different. And for me personally, I think it's more about that than the technology. I mean, you even look at the difference between, you know, the 1.0s and the 2.0s in terms of monetization, mm -hmm. both of those things, whether it's coming from the brands or it's coming from the uh, users, technology-wise, there wasn't that much difference in my mind, um, but it's more about the way of, of thinking and, and about the whole thing about like, who is your customer? Is it the brands or is it the users? And then the difference between two and three is, uh, is it the users are just paying and supporting you or are they actually like investing in you? And okay. so that's kind of how I think about Web3 and NFTs and all that kind of stuff and why I think it's very interesting. Okay, so NFT right now is pretty much limited to art, whatever pieces of art people would like to own. Do you foresee it can expand beyond the realm of collectibles, art, and music, and video, and uh, paintings, uh, objects of arts? So do you think it, it can expand into like uh, the commercial and just basically anything. I mean, I, I think it already has expanded way beyond those things. I mean, one, you have NFTs that are, um, the early versions are like profile pictures, but then the next wave has been utility. Um, so you'll see ones that have been uh, working games or by holding this NFT, you get access to this community or you can have this NFT that works in this game, but you can still resell it outside of the game or you know, it can give you access to a skin that you can take from this game, but you can actually bring it into this other uh, virtual land or game or other things. You're also seeing uh, potentially where people can take either NFTs or, or traditional like fungible tokens for like real estate for fractionalized ownership. It could be- Real estate, real estate property. Yeah, it's like we could buy a property and we could, split it up and hundred people can own it. You know, there's a lot of things like that. I mean, people were trying to put together a DAO to buy the constitution. Like I even was trying to support that because I thought it was kind of cool, you know, and they almost got it. I mean, they were down to the last two bidders. And so, uh, yeah, it's gone already gone way beyond just art. Okay. Now the, what's the relationship between NFT and uh, crypto currency? Uh, cryptocurrency. Again, I'm not like the, the expert on this, but I think when people are thinking of cryptocurrency, they're thinking of like uh, fungible tokens where basically like one Bitcoin is the same as any other Bitcoin or like $1 is the same as any other dollar. But uh, with NFTs, they're non-fungible, they're unique. So if I hold uh, this, this NFT you, and you hold an NFT, even if they're like the, they look the same, they're actually different copies of it um and so uh it's sort of like if we each if if you had a cd and i had the same you know album 
in CD form. They're, mm. they're actually separate things. There are people who are diehard cynicists of cryptocurrency, of Bitcoin. I just say Bitcoin. They call Bitcoin the Dutch tulip. Uh, they know it, in their mind, it's going to be vanished. They don't see any intrinsic value. Okay, so from their mindset, if their uh, if their cynicism about Bitcoin is at uh, level one to ten at five, okay, is NFT in their mind going to be seven, six above the Bitcoin? If they they doubt Bitcoin as Dutch tulips, are they going to doubt NFT as something like Dutch tulip, tulips times five or something? You know what I mean? Because they think the value you're creating is all in your mind. Oh, are you done with this question? Yeah, so that's a question. Oh. Because okay. uh, my audience have very uh, enthusiastic endorsers and owners of NFT and Bitcoins, and they're very severe doubt, uh, uh, doubting Thomas and, and, and those who, you know, categorize them as all Dutch tulips, speculatives. Yeah, I mean, again, I'm I'm not an expert on this. I'm relatively new to kind of believing at least some parts of it. Um, and there are other folks out there who are probably much more able to kind of talk about the, the value of things. But I would say, if you look at, almost any technology you have doubters. What I would say is there have been people who have doubted like, you know, every technology. Um, if you go back, you'll see, you can find very smart folks who, who doubted personal computers. You can see a lot of people who doubted the internet. And when things crashed hard in the beginning of 2000, lots of folks were like, I told you so, see? Well, guess what? Like, look what's happened with both of those things are huge. I can't guarantee that this can happen in this situation, but anytime you're going to have doubters and even when it crashes, uh, and, and I do think there'll probably be a crash or two or multiple crashes, they're going to come out and say, see, but uh, a lot of it is um, if it works, you know, how big could this be? And if this is essentially like the next internet in terms of how big it could be, then the people who did believe in it, who came in early are going to be the next, you know, Facebook and Google and Microsoft and Apple and those kinds of companies. That's what happened every time. Microsoft and Apple came mm -hmm. out of personal computers, mm -hmm. right? Google uh, and Facebook came out of, and Amazon came out of the internet. Um, you know, huge companies came out of mobile. Huge companies are going to come out of like AI. Right, and that's true. Huge companies, I mean, have already come out of like blockchain and, and Web3 and will continue to come out. And if this actually ends up where people, you know, the, the positive people think, then these companies may be, you know, really like the next giant companies, um, you know, 
controlling and um, like technology in the future. Okay. And I think for people who are negative, it's great. Let them be negative, to be honest. But uh, you, you don't really take any risk if you're negative. Um, to, and if you're right, you're right. But it doesn't doesn't get you anywhere. That's you know? true. That's but if true. you're right when it's when you're positive about something and you're willing to take that risk in that bet, and if you're right then, then you can see a huge payoff. Right. So uh, NFT depends on cryptocurrencies for trading right i mean you just to mint an nfc nft you need to be owning ethereum and then uh you how, however you do with the exchange from your wallet and and you got to pay the gas fee and whatever uh in china remember the government just outlawed all cryptocurrencies just like that now, once you pull the, the rug from under your feet, well, that's, that's the end of NFT. That's the end of crypto. That's the end of everything. So I don't think the American government will ever do that. Is there any truth to the speculative nature to NFT and, and its foundation that's cryptocurrency? Is there, I mean, is it, do you, can you call it, this is 100%. Genie out of the bottle, it's not going to go back. Or is there any chance that it is speculative? Um, again, I, I really do think if you want to be asking so many questions around blockchain and NFTs and Web3, you're, you're really talking to the wrong person. Uh, <laughs> you know, you should be bringing on someone you know much better else than, than that is, you know, like I did Rotten Tomatoes, you know, generally people ask me about movies and things like that. So right. that would be my first comment, but okay. I would say, you know, um, with, with China, with these other things, I mean, I think it's already out, it's decentralized, you know, uh, I don't think it can be necessarily put back. And again, when the internet was getting big, you had all these companies in the late nineties who were going IPO that were you know pretty crappy companies um and again when it crashed everyone's like hey there's these are all scams these are just companies with no revenue etc right and you're seeing a lot of that now with crypto you're seeing a lot of scammers a lot of hackers like a crazy amount but it doesn't mean that there isn't some good being made out of it like one thing that happened in 2000 with the internet when it crashed all those folks got out of there you know um, there wasn't money to be easy money to be made anymore. It got rid of all the bad actors and the ones that are actually quality companies at the time, like Amazon, for example, survived and, and thrived. Right. And I think the same thing is going to happen. I do think there'll be a crash or multiple crashes and it will probably flush out a lot of the bad players. It will hopefully make people smarter when they're investing into companies in web three or buying NFTs or other things to be smarter about what they're putting money into and not just throwing money anywhere speculating. Right, so right. I think those things are still going to happen. Right, I have an easier question for you, okay? I wish I could say NFT utilizes the blockchain technology, but is not crypto dependent, but it is crypto dependent. So the, the 
survival and thriving of NFT does depend on the survival and thriving of cryptocurrency. Okay, so those go hand in hand. Now, I do want to, uh, I would like you to answer some questions about the future of movie and entertainment in the context of uh, metaverse. That's AI, uh, no, yes, it is AI, AR and VR. You are investing in the future of um, technology and entertainment. So could you spare some insights, some vision about the future of entertainment with technology? Um, yeah, I mean, I think if you're talking as far as metaverse um, in the best case scenario, uh, you know, people have already envisioned it on screen. You know, you look at things like Ready Player One or the even better case scenario of like the Matrix. And that's kind of like the ultimate version of, of like a metaverse. But I would say on a practical level, um, I have a very loose definition of metaverse which to me is, you know, almost anything kind of digital, remote, virtual. Um, in some ways, with all of us these days, we're not actually meeting physically in person. We're doing things over Zoom. We're interacting on social media, on Instagram, and all these messaging apps on Facebook, on you, you know, watching each other on YouTube, on Twitch. And so I think already people are essentially in sort of like the beta version of the metaverse. They're playing games together. Many, many of the most popular games these days are synchronous multiplayer games. You're playing with actual other human players. Mm -hmm. And so um, metaverse is just something that potentially can tie it together even more closely. You know, when you think about things like crypto and NFTs, um, the fact that maybe you'll be able to have your character or your skins or some item in one game or one um, virtual world that you can pull to another place, you know, that you may have be able to have a persistent identity um, that you can kind of carry between different places. Uh, and so I think a lot more stuff um, will continue to move online. It's already crazy. Like I barely buy anything in person, especially after COVID, like almost everything is uh, online through Amazon or delivered. Um, even my groceries are delivered, you know? And I think, again, this stuff is just all moving that direction. To me, metaverse doesn't have to be VR. AR, you know, I think your phone, like anything with an internet connection, you know, is basically already kind of plugged into the internet, which is a, to me is like almost like a form of the metaverse. As far as entertainment and stuff goes, I think um, one, you're gonna see a lot more AI playing a bigger and bigger part um, moving forward, uh, whether it's, you know, NPCs, non-player characters in games. Um, I think potentially, there could be versions where games and movies are going to potentially get closer and closer together, where maybe you might be able to, you know, even now you can, in VR, you can kind of watch short movies um, through the perspective of the main character and potentially with AI and, and other stuff. And, and as game technologies improve, you might be able to even be the main character in a movie to actually be able to influence the movie in some way. Um, and I think that kind of stuff will be incredibly interesting. You know, it's probably still a bit far off, but 
I can definitely see uh, that in the future. That sounds very interesting. Now, uh, that's what you are going to continue to do for the next 10 years, 20 years. I mean, what's your vision of your, I mean, you are still very young. And I can see that you will be always in the technology, innovation, and, and entertainment. So can you can you share with us what your envision, your your goal, your career, your your life is going to be? Um, I mean, I think right now with the transition of doing startups, I had done six startups over 23 years, and you know, to be honest, got kind of burned out on that. Now um, with this investment syndicate, I'm investing into like the future, investing into the next wave of companies at the intersection of tech and entertainment. Uh, and I, I believe this is the likely direction I will continue to go is, mm -hmm. you know, supporting these companies through mm -hmm. advice, through connections, through funding, um, and, and kind of helping to mentor them and shepherd them towards, towards the future. I think that's the likely path for me. Um, another area I, I believe very strongly in that I think is incredibly important is around education. And, and that's an area I also want to try and support. Um, and I believe, you know, again, if we could somehow scale education to the point where, you know, everyone on the planet could get a high quality college level education, you know, for free, or even get paid to do so, like, what the world would be a completely, completely different place if that were to happen. Right. And I believe that almost every problem that we have on the planet is due to a lack of education um, because lack of education is a lack of opportunities, um, a lack of understanding and these other things. And so that's an area also that I believe very strongly in and want to try to figure out a way to support. Do you see NFT, Web3, Metaverse will contribute to that uh, goal of advancing education globally? Yeah, absolutely. I. Uh, in two ways. One, metaverse, I think ultimately um, education is not going to be the traditional one teacher, 30 students in a classroom kind of model. Um, I think that doesn't scale well to the whole world. Mm -hmm. I do think it will be something closer to metaverse or even now you see it with internet. I mean, just between Wikipedia and YouTube alone, mm -hmm. how much knowledge is there? You can look up almost anything already. And that's just two sites. Mm -hmm. um, and if you take the top 100 sites in terms of content and you look at things like Coursera and Masterclass and this other stuff, it's like off the charts in terms of how much info there is. A lot of it's like organizing it using AI to customize that for each uh, individual student, each person. And you don't have to stop learning when you're a child. You can still learn as an adult. There's still a lot of things that a lot of people don't know, right? Um, and NFTs and Web3, I think also play a part. You look at things like Axie Infinity their model is play to earn. And you have, again, like these grandparents in the Philippines who are grinding a game that they probably don't care anything about so they can make a living. You know, what, what if you had learned to earn where instead of grinding a game, they're learning, they're studying. And, and by grinding in that studying, by basically doing that, those lessons and stuff, they're actually earning a token or NFTs that can actually be converted uh, into money. And ideally, you could get the rich people in the world to be paying the poor people to learn. 
like, wouldn't that fix a lot of things? These are things that potentially could be done through NFTs, through Web3, uh, through Metaverse. It has far-reaching, profound impact in revolutionizing the education, the traditional way of education, and the and the equalization. You know, there's going to be more equality because once you uh, really promote education, that's that's the stepping stone to equality, and and also charity. You know, how do you do charity? And you can intertwine that with gaming because education can be through gaming, you know, to some expect instead of just this top-down traditional, you know, spoon-feeding manner. So this is fascinating. Uh, there's no, there's no end to this. So I agree with you as, as a matter of fact, okay, that the genie is out of the bottle. Uh, those countries, they shut down to new technology. Eventually they're going to be really behind. Okay, and crypto, digital currency, freedom, trust, and whatever the new wave of economy build on this, because after all, NFT is built on this blockchain, crypto, you know, this technology uh, is going to profoundly change our world for the better. Um, on a pessimistic note, okay, I always have to balance it. What are the dangers you envision with this technology? Um, I mean, I would say the biggest danger right now is it's just in terms of scams, in terms of hackers, things like that. I mean, it's pretty much a weekly basis. You hear about some, some service getting hacked or, or people getting scammed and losing, you know, hundreds of thousands, millions of dollars, tens of millions of dollars. Um, and I think that is definitely something that's gonna be happening a lot. And so people have to be really careful again, when they're investing or buying uh, into cryptocurrencies or tokens, you know, have to make sure their stuff is properly protected. Mm -hmm. um, it's even clicking a link can be dangerous, you know, yes. and it was, you know, you had scams beforehand where people were doing it through phone and then through, email scams, this is just the next iteration of it. I think in short term, that's probably, um, I think the biggest concerns. Yes, yes. And blockchain hopefully will come to the rescue for lack of a better word, because blockchain is traceable, you know, it's transparent. So, um, but that's another, so last question. Ah, it's not the last question. Last question about this area, okay. Okay. So. To summarize, what does Patrick Lee's brand stand for? Um, I, I, I like to think about myself as someone who's quite open to connecting with people, uh -huh. uh, try to be just supportive, to help mentor and give advice um, around business or life or other things, and to try to just you know help everyone move in like a positive direction. Okay, so can I summarize it within less than five words? Always for the better. Um, it, sure, yeah, that sounds, that sounds good. It's, it's your, you believe the world will be better, so you do it always for the better. You are not settled just at current status quo. You always want to do it for the better. Okay, thank you. That's my parting gift to you. Thank you so much. My great pleasure having you. Yeah, thanks so much for having me, uh, Joanne. It was okay. really nice uh, doing this interview with you. Thank you. Okay. Thanks. Talk to you later. Bye. Bye.